No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you being anxious can add a single hour to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith, therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is the gospel of the Lord. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. Amen. So now, today on this 15th Sunday after Trinity, is Matthew chapter 6, verses 24 to 34. And it talks about who do we serve? Why are we so stressed out? What's going on? That question that. Once you have kids and stuff, you ask yourself a lot. What, wait, what's going on? You used to be a lucid, intelligent adult. And you knew everything because you were in your 20s. <laughs> but now we see things like cancer, illness, injury, death, ISIS. The environment, church bills, oil production, liquid natural gas. In just a few words, I have given you a taste of the worries I hear about on a regular basis. The worries you hear about probably on a regular basis. The worries we all have, and that's not a complete list, is it? I didn't hit on every single thing that at 2 o'clock in the morning goes, hey, you know what's interesting? In the back of your mind. You know what I was just thinking about? Probably you should think about it too, because it's a doozy. You weren't sleeping, were you? Well, I was trying. Those are just some of the general things that burrow into our brains and sit there and fester until we can't eat, until we can't sleep. 
We're a mess. After a short while, it's not just the actual problem you're worrying about, is it? Because I talked to you. I know the answer to this one. Call on me. After a while, that brain that was going, hey, you know what? Does this. The two most evil words in the late night vernacular. What if? What if scenario? What if generator comes on and really starts putting out some messed up things? Twisted things. Spinning on your worries, sticking a knife in your worries and twisting it. Pretty soon you have a scenario of things that have actually not even happened. What if? What if a 50-foot Lego monster came in or up the city. Great, now I got that. And it's rolling around in your mind and it's freaking you out because the brain is an amazing thing. It controls everything. It is mission control. And so if your brain gets stuck in this loop of worry and anxiety, it doesn't even care what the topic is. What if as you're thinking about it, all of the music was destroyed except for Justin Bieber. <gasps> music would take a hit. <laughs> but you're laying there awake going, that's completely irrational. Still you're going, but that would be awful. No more Led Zeppelin ever. No. Sorry. So you find that your brain has got this anxiety trying to accomplish. And what does it accomplish? Nothing. Except for more anxiety. Because it begets itself, doesn't it? Mainly it just makes you feel sick on the inside. Trust me. Today in the Gospel, we're focusing on another section of what is commonly known as the Sermon on the Mount. In this section of the sermon, Jesus addresses this topic of anxiety. You know, as Webster's Dictionary likes to give us a definition that literally causes us anxiety when we read it, it's not just enough to say anxiety. It says, I'll see also nervousness, worry, concern, uneasiness, apprehension, disquiet, fretfulness, angst. Yikes. Or as Luther called it, Anfechtung. In German, it sounds even worse. Yeah, Luther had anxiety. Things were worrying him. Middle of the night kind of things that lasted all day. So you're having a bad day when you jump straight to Anfechtung, though. But here's the deal. We live in a fallen and sinful world. And in this fallen and sinful world, people worry. Worry is not an outpouring of the gospel, trust me. It is not a work of the Holy Spirit, trust me. It is a work of being a fallen and broken person as we all are. That's why we experience it. There is this deep and dark seed in us planted by the devil called doubt. It's his go-to move. When he saw Eve in the garden, 
What did he say? Start off with, what did he say? You guys remember? Did God really say? <laughs> well, that's a good question. Now her brain's going, did he? <laughs> because the truth of the matter is, that is the greatest move of the devil ever. Put doubt in your mind about the good things that God says to you. Put doubt in it, because then if he didn't say it, you're like, did I make it up? Really? And so did God really say, is his go-to move? He's definitely green. He recycles it over and over. He likes to water and nourish that seed of doubt until it becomes a sapling of anxiety, a sapling of despair. The final hope is that of a mighty oak of unbelief where faith once stood. The devil will not be satisfied until you are that tree that Jesus talks about in Matthew 3.10, the one that would be chopped down and burned for its fruitlessness. No fruit, no faith. Like a seed, it always starts small, something here, something there, am I right? Nobody ever goes, whoa, we're level 10 worry. It's like a water dripping in the kitchen and you can hear it from your room. Right? After about the 700th one, you're like, oh, oh. that's what each one sounds like. Probably should fix that. And really, it's just, bloop. So Jesus addresses this horrible thing on the Sermon on the Mount. People worrying and people fretting. Guess what? Your Savior knows. And he talks about it. And how does he address it? Uh, does he start by trying to give them a better and more positive self-image? It's not how it works. As always, we are the problem. So Jesus points us away from ourselves. He's going, stop looking to you for answers. That is the wrong place. Literally, he turns us away and repents us away from ourselves. He repents us, turns us away from our works towards him and points us to his works for you. He says, hey, are you worried that you aren't a good person because you haven't kept with the dietary laws? Or worse yet, do you actually think you're a good person because you kept up with the dietary laws? Well, knock it off. Don't worry about the things you eat for your righteousness. The things you think are for your salvation. Rather, Jesus points you to the things that are outside of yourself, as Luther would say, extra notes, outside of ourselves. The birds do not reap and sow. You don't ever see little birds out there in the field with overalls on going, 
just doesn't happen. If it does, let me know. I want to see it. They have no special farming vocation at all that they should ever be able to eat. Those lazy birds are never out there killing the soil. Yet they don't worry. The Lord who made them also cares for them. The lily. Have you ever seen a lily? It's a beautiful, beautiful flower. And it's not beautiful by its own strength and reason. And yet, Jesus said it exceeds that of Samson, the great king. Solomon, I said Samson. (laughs) Notice the second year of Conferman over there. Solomon. I'm out of here. Solomon, the great king. I thought it came off funny. Um, The great king in all of his glory. He was beautiful. He was adorned like a king. Kings aren't shabby. They look nice. Jesus does the same for you and for your salvation. You ever notice he talks about robing you, clothing you in a robe of what? Righteousness. Is it yours or his? Just so we're clear. It's his righteousness he robes you in. Our righteousness looks a little moth-eaten. So that would be some nasty-looking clothes we would be putting on there. So he robes you in his righteousness. You are not called to help him save you, just so we can clear that matter up today. He has done it in the washing and in the regeneration of baptism. You're going, what? Baptism? That's just water in God's word. What more do you want? His death on the cross was a stab in the heart of anxiety. You know, nervousness, worry, concern, uneasiness, apprehension, disquiet, angst, anfectum. Each day, remember, brings its own evil. For in an evil world, And the enemies without and within are always busy devising schemes to fill your hearts with worry and anxiety, aren't they? Worst thing you could ever be is somebody at peace with Christ. Because you're going, yeah, you're right, there is some messed up things out there. But I seem to recall, thanks to the Holy Spirit who has given me faith, that Jesus has a plan for that. Listen to this. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Trust me, he's saying. To add, when we see this, these conditions must be met with patience and cheerfulness and each problem taken care of as it comes. To add to the difficulties and troubles of the present day by worrying about what tomorrow might bring will not ease the situation confronting you now. Tomorrow is is just a concept. We don't know when Jesus is returning. So today, here's your plate. Tomorrow is the devil's best trick. Well, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Well, I know what Jesus has already done for me. Confidently. 
As Luther once said, and I love this, obviously somebody who has had a nagging heart, to restrict all care to the moment when it begins to nag is to conquer it absolutely. When it comes at you, deal with it. And the possibility of the 50-foot Lego monster will deal with that when it comes. Now is for problems, but tomorrow is for peace. Yet in this fallen and broken world, it is only the future that brings us anxiety. God holds each day in his hands. It's kind of interesting, and I, I guess I need to do this reminder every now and then. When I say things like, this is the day the Lord has made. And we say, let us rejoice and be glad in it. That's not an automatronic, robotic response. Literally, God made this day. And we rejoice in it. And when we read our Bible readings, sometimes we might get a little robotic. And we say, my elder says, or I say, this is the word of the Lord. And we say, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God, because he said this stuff. We don't just say it because that's what we say after we hear it. We say it even the early Christians would hear these readings, and God would say this problem. And he said, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke to Isaiah, thanks be to God. Every, everyone, and especially to those who are of the, the household of faith, thanks be to God. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Thanks be to God. Praise to you, O Christ. We say that not just liturgically as a reason to say something, because we always do. It comes from the Holy Spirit that went, oh, that's right. My old Adam wanted me to forget that. Thank goodness we were here in church today. Got reminded of it. That's why we come to church, because we so often rarely hear people saying, this is the word of the Lord at the grocery store. People in line, thanks be to God. Rather, that's where we go to forget all this stuff. You see, the begging of the devil to question these good works is answered with a resounding no of faith by the Holy Spirit. The beauty of what Christ is calling for here isn't to exhort you to works of salvation, going, oh, you're anxious? You need to work more. Doesn't sound right. You're on fire? Well, here's some gasoline. Sorry. Here's some dry wood. Hold on to this. The beauty of what Christ is calling for here isn't that, but rather he exhort, he points you to his good works for you. To his goodness, his love, his sacrifice, his death and resurrection, his baptism, his very body and blood given and shed for you for the forgiveness of all of your sins. <gasps> for you. He does this for you. Anfektung is drowned in the waters of holy baptism. Every day, by the way, at your baptism, you have a call every day that says, Orea, Adam, he went, whoop, and you go, 
There you go. Push him back down. Luther says he's a good swimmer, and I agree. On Fechtung is drowned in the water and the word of God. It is drowned by the blood and body of Jesus Christ, the righteous one, the kingdom of God for you and for your salvation. This is the day the Lord has made. Amen. Please rise. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard and keep your hearts and your minds in the one true faith in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.